Gracious Almighty God, we praise you and we glorify you. For you are the God who saves. Oh God, even as we look at your word this morning, we pray that we would see you in all your glory and in all your grace. We thank you that you, out of your grace, came to save sinners. And we pray that as we look at your word, we would see the wondrous work, Father, that you do in sending your Son. Christ in you, uh, being the goodness and kindness of God in coming down. And Spirit, in your wonderful washing work that you do in the hearts of all who believe. And we pray that we would see you in all your glory. Blessed triune God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at Titus chapter 3. If you've got one of the black uh, Bibles, uh, you can find that on page uh, 1182. Uh, page 1182. And the preaching this morning will be on Titus 3, verses uh, 3 to 8. Titus 3, verses 3 to 8. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour. So that having been justified by his grace, we might be heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent. And profitable for everyone. Well, in this service today, as I'm sure you know, we'll be witnessing the baptisms of Tade and Narane, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we look at God's word this morning, I want you to see why they are doing this. Why are they going through this process of being dunked in water? Many go through rituals and traditions because that is what their parents did and their parents, and their great-grandparents, and so on and so forth. Or maybe they were born in the church. Maybe they do it to appease others. And maybe they have no say in it because it happened from birth. Not so with Tade and Narane today. Today, as they're getting baptised, it requires a conscious decision and decisive commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. What is baptism? Well, baptism is an outward sign of a believer's fellowship with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection, of that believer being united to Jesus Christ, of the washing away of sins, and of submitting themselves to God through Jesus Christ to live and to walk in newness of life. And it is vital that we understand what baptism is truly about. It is not just something that is done for tradition's sake. Though it is obeying Christ's command to be baptised, it is not just about you dedicating your life to Christ. 
And in fact, ultimately, it's not about your decision to follow Christ, though that is presented. It's about God's gracious work in salvation in a believer's life. Well, what truths does our passage today highlight particularly? Because in this book of Titus that we're going to be looking at from, in Titus chapter 3, Paul is writing to Titus, one of his fellow workers in the gospel, and he's writing to Titus that he is to have a well-ordered church. And there are false teachers, as many churches have, false teachers that are trying to sneak in and introduce false teaching. But instead, Paul is encouraging Titus to have a church which is grounded in sound and true doctrine, true teaching of Christ, which results in good works. So what doctrines does our passage highlight today particularly? Of these, we'll particularly see the the washing away of sin and the walking in the newness of life, the washing of regeneration and the renewal that accompanies it. Both of these come by the Spirit who is given by believers. But we also see that the Father and the Son also have an intimate role to play in the salvation of sinners. And all of these truths that you will see today form a wonderful salvation that baptism points to. It points to, it points the finger and says, this is what happened to you and is a visible testimony to others of God's saving work in the lives of all who undergo baptism, in this case, Tade and Narene. Well, have a look with me at the passage in Titus 3. And you'll see first, in verse 3, my first point is that we are, by nature, before Christians, we are, spin- we are soaking in sin. Read verse 3 with me again. At one time, we too, and the we here is talking about Christians, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. The word we there, Paul is writing to Titus and is describing something that is common to them both. And in fact, all Christians of all ages, it is a shared past. Those words there were once or at one time, it says there in verse 3, at one time means that it's something that was in the past. Paul is saying we are now different. At one time, we were like this, but now this. And he will go on to explain later what that, that later thing is. At one time, we're once. What are those things mentioned there? The first thing, foolish. This word means unintelligent, dull-witted. And even though in the world's eyes you may be smart, you may have a PhD uh, in front of your name, in the sight of God, sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you stupid and foolish because in your heart of hearts, as the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The next thing, disobedient, means we are rebelling against God's law and against God's rule. Next, deceived. We are misled, led astray, wandering away from the truth of God's word. It says we are slaves to passions and to pleasures, or elsewhere this is termed in the Bible, lusts of the flesh. Being a slave means that we don't rule over things, but they rule over us. We love pleasure more than God. We serve them rather than God. 
the words various or all kinds indicates the abundance of our sinful lust. We run after everything that the world has to offer instead of running after God. Malice and envy there are referring to wickedness and depravity and desiring what others have. We lust over what others have. And we hate and detest others. We are being hated and we are hating others. Instead of love, there is anger, there is pride, there is selfishness. Those words there, lived in, lived in means to spend your life this way. It's a habitual and consistent pattern of sinful depravity. The thing is, this is the state of all mankind without God. We love our sin. And what Paul is saying to Titus is, this was us at one time. This was us. And as Christians, we sin often and we struggle against sin. And it's something we fight every single day. But that is not our ultimate identity. That's what we were. Our status is fundamentally different. And we will see in the following verses why that is the case. We will see that our status is in Christ and that we've been washed. We've been regenerated. We are renewed and we are justified and heirs of eternal life. If you're not a Christian here this morning, this is the charge of the Bible. This is the charge of God. It lays it at your feet. It says, you are a sinner. You are a sinner. You are dirty. And this was all of us. Me, you, by nature, we are like pigs wallowing in the mud. And we love it. We love it. The thing is, pigs naturally love wallowing in the mud. And they do it, in, in, in some sense, for, for good reasons, whether it's to cool off or to protect them from the, suns, uh, sorry, from the sun or from insects. But when we do it with sin, it's not good. Instead of cooling off, using mud to cool off, we, use, we, we cover up our sin. We cover up our sin. We, we, try, to, we try to deaden it and, and push our sin down so that it doesn't trouble us. We try to cool ourselves off. Or maybe we use it, uh, we use it to, to protect ourselves from the sun. And in this case, it would be the, the searching eye of God. Knowing that God can see your sin. We, we, we put sin on to hide from the searching eye of God. We don't want his heat, the heat of his gaze, exposing our sin and pricking our conscience. And I ask you this morning, is that you? Is that you? Are you seeking to hide your sin? Are you living in, soaking in these sins? Because that's what Paul says, by nature we are. This is what God says. We are slaves to sin. We love our sin. But in the following verses that follow after, we will see that God doesn't leave us like this. We see the kindness and we see the love of God, who is the saviour of sinners. So I want you, if you're not a Christian here this morning, I want you to see, yes, what your state is before God as a sinner. But I want you to see the goodness and kindness and grace of God. Have a look with me again at verses 4 to 8. I'm going to read verse 4. Verse 4 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. Notice the goodness and loving kindness of God. 
Paul says that though we were once like all those things in verse 3, God has intervened. That word there is significant, the word but. That word but there is, is, is entirely significant and you see it throughout, throughout the portions of Scripture. We were foolish, but the kindness and love of God has appeared. We were disobedient, but the kindness and love of God has appeared. And we could go on and on and on throughout the list. The goodness and kindness of God is the only hope for a world lost in sin. The second word there, translated love, literally means a love for mankind. Is not the gospel a pure declaration of God's love for sinners? God's love for a world lost in sin. And what is this gospel, this good news, this salvation, but the person and work of Christ? Notice that word there, appeared. Because when Christ came down, when Christ appeared, the goodness and kindness of God appeared. So we see there first, we are washed by God, but we see there the goodness and loving kindness of God has come in Christ. Next, we are saved according to God's mercy. Have a look with me at the first part of verse 5. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. At the end of verse 4, God is called God our Saviour. And the next words, he saved us, spring forth from God's kindness and his love. Because of God's kindness and love, he is called God our Savior. Because of his kindness and love, it says God saved us. Why did, why did God save sinners? Why did God send Christ? Because he delights in mercy. Because he delights in mercy. And these words, he saved us. He saved us is the cry of every Christian together. And alone they cry, he saved me. Is that your cry here this morning? He saved me. Or your cry together, and this is one of the reasons we, we come and gather together on Sunday mornings, because God has saved us. And we can say this, he saved us. When all is well, we say he saved us. But when we're in trouble, we say he saved us. When Satan is tempting us to despair, we say he saved us us. And these truths flood our soul with peace and with joy and assurance. Read the next words. Not because of righteous things or, or righteous works we had done, but because of his mercy. What was this salvation according to? Well, I can tell you what it's not according to. It's not according to things you do. It's not according to works done by us in righteousness. Remember verse 4? We didn't have righteousness. We had sin. Sorry, verse 3. We had sin. But what is, what is salvation according to? It's according to God's free grace and his mercy. His free grace and his mercy. And that is why we cannot earn anything before God. And that's why others, uh, that's why some people, when asked, why, are you a Christian? They say, yes, I was baptized. 
and they're looking in that sense to the baptism or they pray to prayer or they're doing things. But at the end of the day, it is not by works done by us in righteousness for we have none. It is according to God's free grace and mercy. And so when Tare and Narane do this, their cry is, he saved me, not according to my works, but according to his mercy and his grace. If you are trusting in your works here this morning, let those words sink deep. Not according to righteousness. Not according to works. Not according to things that you can do, but according to his mercy and his precious grace. Next, as we see in the uh, second part of verse 5, we will see a wonderful washing of rebirth and renewal of the Spirit. Have a look with me at the second part of verse 5. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. We see here the washing imagery coming out. This wonderful picture of, of washing. And this is every Christian. They are washed by the Spirit. When we speak of being washed with Christ's blood... This is how it happens. This is how it happens in the believer's life. Because Christ died 2,000 years ago, but how is it applied to every believer's life? It is applied real time through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Christians have been washed by the Spirit. We see a similar pattern to this passage in 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 to 11 in another letter that Paul wrote. Have a listen and notice a few things that that might be similar. Paul says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. What changed? They were washed, they were sanctified, they were justified. And we will look at this in the passage. Well, what does this washing involve? It involves the removal of sin. Remember that sin I was talking about, that we were soaking in our sin like mud? The Spirit in, in, in regeneration or rebirth, he, he washes away that sin. What is rebirth? What is regeneration? Henry School, Henry School defined it as the life of God in the soul of a man. The life of God in the soul of a human. It is when the Spirit of God takes the cold, dead heart that we have by nature. The dead, cold heart that loves sin and he brings it to life. That, that word, their rebirth, a regeneration, to give life to. And in that giving of life, he washes away that sin. So the heart that now loves sin and hated God, it begins to hate the sin it once loved. And it begins to love the sin, sorry, love God, whom we once hated. A.W. Pink said this regeneration consists in a radical change of heart. For there is implanted a new disposition. The mind is renovated. The affections are elevated. And the will is set free from the bondage of sin. In John 3 verse 5, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
being regenerated or born again is a prerequisite for entering the kingdom of heaven. For those words that are being born of water and the Spirit, this is the washing of regeneration. This is the cleansing that Titus 3 is talking about in Ezekiel 36, which Ash read out from us. God is pictured there as sprinkling his people clean from all sin's pollution by giving them a new heart and a spirit whom he puts within them. The thing is, the washing of regeneration is a beautiful picture of the spiritual cleansing that the Spirit of God does within the life of a Christian in order to bring them to salvation, in order to make them a Christian. And this is what we picture in baptism. This is, this is one of the many facets of baptism, this washing of regeneration, that in Christ and by the Spirit you stand perfectly clean before God, washed from all your sin. And yet, even though as we stand before God as a judge, we are washed free from sin, even, we still struggle with our sin. And this is the next word there, renewal, the ongoing renewing which flows out of rebirth or flows out of regeneration. Just as, we, just as Christians are washed clean in regeneration from the guilt and power of sin, we have an ongoing washing that cleanses us from the presence of sin. Colossians 3 says this, You have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Right? That's regeneration that's talking about there. You have done this. And then he says, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of creator. Past tense and present tense, you are being renewed. This flows out of regeneration. But have a look at the next words. Poured out in Christ. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Acts, Acts 2 verse 33 says, it's talking about Christ being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Christ has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. God the Father gives Christ the gift of the Spirit to be poured out on his church. And notice the word poured out there again with the water imagery. And this is not a small outpouring. It's not like a little trickle or a couple of drops that God pours out. No, it says the word there generously or abundantly or richly. He pours out his spirit. Christ doesn't measure out the gift of his spirit with an eyedropper. But he generously pours out the spirit. And what is the result? Have a look with me at verse 7. So that having been justified by his grace... We might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Every Christian, when they are washed in regeneration, they are justified, they are declared righteous in the sight of God. When the Spirit of God regenerates a heart, he enables that sinner to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, as they receive Christ with open hands, poor in spirit, they are justified. They receive the righteousness of Christ. The thing is, justification is our legal standing before God as judge. But what comes next, as we stand before, stand before God clean and justified, it says there that we are heirs. As we are righteous in his sight, he adopts us into his family. Just as justification was our legal standing before God as a judge, adoption is a Christian's relational standing before God as a father. 
Can you see how all these things gloriously fit together? Regeneration gives us the nature of sons. Justification gives us a, a, a legal standing before God, one, one of perfection and righteousness that is in Christ. And adoption gives us this relational standing before God and all the rights and privileges that come with it. And so I ask you this morning, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you seen that Christ is the goodness and kindness and love of God? Do you see God as Saviour? Are you trusting in your own works or you're trusting in God's mercy? Have you been regenerated by the Spirit or are you trying to live for God with a dead heart? Are you being renewed and grown by Him day by day? Are you justified in Christ before God? Are you an heir of eternal life? Do you have a hope in heaven? Do you have a hope in heaven? If you do, Praise God for your salvation and your soul will surely ring out, He saved me. He saved us. If you're not a Christian, then I call, I call you this morning. Plead, plead for the washing of regeneration from the Spirit of God. He will sprinkle you clean from all your sin and uncleanness. He will wash you from your filth. Jesus says, everyone who thirsts, come to me. Come to me and drink. In Isaiah 55, it says, it says come to me. Come to, come to me, all you who thirst. Come to the waters. Come by food that, uh, without price. Come. Come. Because everyone who comes to him is not put to shame. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is, what we are, that is what we are celebrating this morning with this baptism. It is not just a tradition. It is not just a ritual that we go through the motions for. It is a glorious picture of God saving sinners. Let me pray. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you that your goodness, kindness, and love has been shown to us in Christ. That indeed Christ, in his death and his resurrection, he, he shows forth your kindness and your love. For indeed, Lord, we by nature love our sin. We love wallowing in our sin. We don't want a bar of you. We don't want anything to do with you. But we thank you for Christ. And we thank you that indeed, even though we were not desiring the work of Christ, even though we were not desiring you, that your precious spirit, through his wondrous work of regeneration and renewal, that wondrous washing, we have been sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ. We thank you that you've poured out through your Son, your blessed Spirit, that he would apply the work of Christ to every soul that comes to him in repentance and faith. Indeed, O oh precious God, for those who are here who are Christians, O oh precious God, strengthen them in faith. Cause them to see your wondrous salvation and the washing you have done in their souls. And for those who do not know Christ yet, 
Help them to see. Help them to see their sin and to see that there is a wondrous salvation found in Christ by the Spirit. And we pray these things in the sake of of Jesus Christ and for his glory. Amen.